Welcome aboard. I'm Brad. I'm Eric. And I'm Scott. Welcome to My Ship Story Podcast. This is a podcast where we invite crew members, both past and present, to tell their stories about life at sea. So come up to the pool bar and grab a drink. Sit back, relax, because it's time for My, My Ship, Ship Story. story. <laughs> God, that was terrible. Welcome, everybody. It's another episode of My Ship Story Podcast. My name is Brad. I'm your host today. Let's check in with the guys, see what's going on. Uh, Scott, I know you've got started a new, new gig, right? Yes. I, well, uh, today was our first day of filming. To me, my eyes, if they don't look red, they feel red. And it <laughs> feels like you've dumped um, habanero sauce into my eyeballs because I've spent since seven o'clock in the morning. Well, first, I didn't go to bed until 3.30, but I've spent until 7.30 in the morning till just now, 30 minutes ago, inside of a strip. All right. <laughs> Normally, I thought you would be enjoying that. <laughs> hey, are Hope and Faith still working there? There were two twins. They used yeah. to. I used to see them down at Valley Brook a lot. Yeah, yeah. Hope, Hope and Faith and Monique. Hope and Faith. And yeah. Mo, Monique. <laughs> so was it was was, was, meth, was meth mouth there? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Harry. It's a inside joke oh. yeah sorry guys sorry everyone but i thought that uh i i could make uh scott laugh at that and i guess it worked yeah 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 thanks for waiting until i took a drink yeah oh you're welcome anytime oh yeah and eric what's going on down there hey so um i don't know if i've ever told you like this is an old house a hundred year old house and stuff like that and i don't know if we ever talked about that you know sometimes things happen that you think is kind of weird that you know so my TV ghost stopped working. Ghost aliens? Yeah, more like ghost. Well, I don't know if it's actually ghost stuff, but you know, like a door will open on its own every now and then, things like that. Nothing scary. It's not scary at all, but just things. So my TV in my office stopped working, I'd say like two months ago. And I keep trying to turn it on and press buttons. I do all the cords, everything. Cannot get it to turn on. Nothing works. Yesterday I was working in my office and the TV turned on. <laughs> all by itself like no as if nothing like perfect it, it's now it's working fine again and i'm like what the hell just happened but i'm happy it's working hey yeah oh, <laughs> I, I think that's good news good friendly it's, ghost yes friendly, friendly ghost. ghost so this yeah. is the one room where i physically saw a door just completely open i mean it wasn't locked but it was like shut there was no air conditioning on no heat on Nobody was on the other side of the door. The door just completely just opened more than halfway. And it opened with such force. It wasn't forceful, but with enough force that I thought Jeff opened it because I, I was sure he opened it. And then I was like, you know, there was nobody there. And then Jeff comes in the other door. There's two doors to this office. And um, I was like, oh, you're just messing with me. Why did you open the door? <laughs> I mean, I was sure. And he swears up and down he did not open the door. He did and not. Push when it was open. when was this? This was a few years ago, but in the same room in this in my office. Okay, I was gonna yeah. say Dude. this was yesterday, and, and today you're like, no. oh yeah, we're moving. Yeah, no, 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 no. It, this was a few years ago. We've had, you know, you, it's in a really old house, so you hear things all the time. You hear creaks and you hear noises, some louder than others. You know, yeah. I don't talk to the spirits. If there are spirits, I don't know if people believe in that. So it's just, it doesn't feel negative in here. It's a really comfortable house. So I'm, I just figure it's I'm just fascinated with there's some people on TikTok that are, that are in old houses and stuff. And they're like, mm -hmm. 
you know, doing construction, doing a room or, or doing something, and they find stuff, letters and stuff in the right. walls and under the floors and stuff. Man, yeah, that would be so cool. A <laughs> hundred year old house. I mean, who yeah. knows what's in these walls, but I'm not about to start opening them up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't don't open don't open some closet rooms. Well, yeah, yeah, this isn't my favorite murder. This no, is this exactly. is my ship story <laughs> podcast. So uh this is uh this is different, different, different show. But uh hey, well, let's let's get to our guest. Um we've got a we've got a special guest. Um he he mentioned that um he was kind of a one generation uh, kind of before our time. Um welcome to the podcast, Harry Greenley. Thanks for being on. Thanks for having me. All right, hey, good to be here. Nice to see it. Nice to, to, nice see to it. finally meet you. You know, I think our our, uh, our our communications has started about three months ago. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. We started. And then I think you we lost touch or something. And then uh, I got an email from, I think it was Brad. Yeah. Got back in touch with me. And uh, <laughs> we, we started the ball rolling then. Yeah. We get in this, we get in this thing where, um, we we have a drought of people we can't get anybody to come on people cancel and all this stuff and then all of a sudden we we have a, a dozen people lined up so you know we, we it's, it's it's feast or famine uh on this thing you know um and we're trying to get caught up now because we went a, a month without recording anything so now we're finally uh-huh. we're finally back at it trying to hit it hard you know, yeah, you got some great stories. I, I I enjoyed Moss Hill's uh, story last oh, week. That was, that was incredible. fascinating. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, I mean, honestly, really we did. could have kept going and going talking to him because it was just fascinating. It really was yeah. just so interesting. So Harry, yeah, you better have on. some really good stuff. <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, you, no pressure. Pressure one, at all. The hard one to follow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, how many ships have you been on that sank? Um, that sank. <laughs> <laughs> on, uh, two, two that went on fire, and and uh, and uh, a couple in hurricanes and stuff like that. Like Ooh. most people have, I think if you you know, I've been sixteen years on the ships, like I have, you're bound to hit a few of those disasters uh, here and there. Oh yeah, well, sixteen years on ships—that was a long time. Tell us a little bit about um, what you what you did before and how you got started on ships. How did it all happen for you? Yeah, I was working back in Ireland. Uh, I was born in Ireland. I was working there, left school. I'd gone to catering college and uh, I'd got a job locally in Dublin. The money wasn't great. It was just late 70s and I wanted to do more. And my brother actually saw an ad in the paper uh, that said, you know, uh, waiters for a cruise ship sailing around the Caribbean. And I thought, well, from rainy Ireland to the Caribbean, this would be, this would be a great thing. And, and even if it just lasted for a, year, a contract or so, um, you know, I get to see another part of the world. So I uh, applied for the position and got the position on the Song of Norway was my first ship out of All Miami. Right. Me too. Yeah, Me too. Okay, so really 80. quick. Oh, that's right, yeah. Super quick question. What yeah. happened to your Irish accent? I was <laughs> going to say, are you, years, are you, I lost it. <laughs> wow, you've completely yeah. lost it. I was like, no, wait a minute. Are you from uh, from the U.S.? Yeah, you- I was shocked when you said you were born and lived in Ireland. I was like, oh, wow. You really- Some people catch it. Some people catch it. And I, and I tell you, if I, well, my parents are gone now, but if I was on the phone to my brother or even my parents back in the day, people would, uh, even my wife used to say, uh, 
wow, your accent came back right away when you're talking to them. Yeah. You know, that's when it'll, yeah. that's when you'll hear it most. You know, I need to pick up that accent again. I like the accents as the guys know. So you need, you need to uh, thick, thicken up of that, maybe have a Guinness or something. You know, sometimes I use the word lift instead of elevator or, you know, the boot of a car instead of the, right. the trunk. Those are <laughs> but, giveaways. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, those are little hints to give away. But I, uh, yeah, I joined in 1980 in the Song of Norway. I enjoyed it. I mean, I just, you know, the experience was great. And the first, as as you all know, the first month or so, you're completely lost and you're tired and worn out, and you you kind of figure, am I doing the right thing? And you're away from your family and all that. But uh, you get into the rhythm, get into the routine, and um, you know, I got quickly promoted to head waiter. I started in the food and beverage. I should have told you that food and beverage department I was a waiter and then uh moved up to head waiter and then dining room manager and when I left uh I'd worked several different companies when I left um Dolphin Cruises out of Port Canaveral in 2000 I had uh I was the operations manager shoreside for them so it was a great experience a really really good experience I enjoyed it I, I love to travel and I used to pinch myself saying I can't believe I get paid to do this <laughs> yeah I thought they went out of service earlier than that. Did, when did Dolphin Who's that? down? Dolphin. Oh, Dolphin. I joined them. They called me, actually. I joined them. Uh, it was Cape Canaveral Cruise Lines. It was called then. I joined them ah. in Cape Canaveral in 98 or 99, I believe, 98. And they closed down uh, early or the end of 2000. Oh, I thought, I thought they yeah. might have yeah. been folded like right after they, they floated into the uh, side of the Majesty. No, no, they survived that. Yeah. yeah, in fact, I closed the ship down. I had to, I had to uh, fly down to the Bahamas and, uh, and bring the last uh, cash. You know, everybody's paid in cash. So I had to bring this bag full of cash down to the Bahamas to, to pay everybody, get through customs and everything. And you didn't one of like my shove jobs, it in a backpack and put a brick in it? <laughs> I did, basically, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you By know, yourself? By myself, they never checked anything. It was about $40,000, I think, in it because oh. uh, it was a skeleton crew. And then one of my jobs, while the owners wanted me to uh, get with the casino manager and empty out all the slot machines and all the casino money and bring it to the bank in uh, the Bahamas to get a cashier's check to bring it back to the owners. And I had to do it because the banks were about to repossess the ship in a couple of days. So it all had to happen very quick. Wow. So that was kind of exciting. Yeah, that was it. That's a story in itself. <laughs> I was going to say it. that I've never heard of, it, of a ship being repossessed. Weren't the, what the ships were called like Seabreeze or something like that was one of the ships. Is well, right? the Seabreeze was one, but when uh, Cape Canaveral Cruise Line, there was two gentlemen, they owned timesharing business and they bought the Dolphin five, four and they okay. just ran that on its own. And, and we did actually, we were very close to buying a, a fairly decent secondhand ship. But at the time, 1980, 1999, the, the uh, timeshare business was going downhill really bad, had a bad reputation and was going down. So they didn't have the money to put into to purchasing. But we did look at a few pretty good ships because our the ship was too small. You can't make money. It was so small, you know, really. So, I mean, we had, what, 800 passengers and we do uh, three and four day cruises to the Bahamas and back. They and they just were pretty old. Money. They were pretty old and as they were well, old. right? Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we had so many problems. I mean, I remember the, the chief engineer, the poor guy. So he would turn on the air conditioning blast in the dining room when the guests were in the dining room. And then when the dining, when the guests would move into the show lounge or whatever, he'd shift all the air conditioning to the show lounge. And we'd be oh sweating gosh. in the dining room trying to clear the place up for the next morning. And then he'd switch it to their cabins later on at night. I mean, this was his job the whole oh, time, no. switching. Because yeah. the, they didn't have enough air to, 
to air condition the whole ship. And the the worst guys was the kitchen. Oh man, the poor guys in the kitchen. We were we were bringing them gallons of water and salt tablets and everything, trying to. And they were they were losing so much uh, wow, so much awful. sweat. It was crazy. Yeah, it was pretty oh, bad man. towards the end. Yeah. How long did you work for Royal Caribbean? I was with Royal Caribbean for about four years, four or five years. So till 86 and then we started our company was at the food concession for royal caribbean at the time royal caribbean didn't do their own food food business so we did it for them it was um, fraser's company and uh they got a contract with premier cruise lines which bruce Nuremberg started with uh, bjorn hermeson so they asked me if i wanted to go up there and work as a uh, assistant dining or manager up there on the oceanic which I, you know everybody told me it was a great ship and they were making great money and all that so I decided to go up there. And uh, so I was with Royal Caribbean. I was with uh, Premier then for about four more years. I got sent over to Regency Cruise Lines, which was another oh, disaster. But <laughs> anyway, Regency was, but I, but I noticed somebody mentioned there recently, I was on the American Adventure as the dining room manager. And that was a great ship. That was just, uh, just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And Bruce, um, he signed a contract with Costa Cruise Lines to lease the ship for a year. And he wanted to try and do the Disney thing on that ship as well. And it was, you'd have 1,400 passengers and a thousand of them were kids. So oh. there was, there was no onboard revenue. No I mean, virtually revenue. none at all. Yeah. So, and no casino. And it was just all for the kids. We had, they would contract the Italian officers uh, in their contract. They get wine with lunch and dinner every day. And uh, it didn't matter what position you were on the ship. Uh, you, it was in their contract. So we got all this wine loaded up on the ship and uh, set sail from Las Piazza. And before we got out to, into the ocean, we were, were getting near Gibraltar. And the food and beverage manager comes to me and he said, Harry, we're running out of wine. I said, what? He said, yeah, yeah, we're, we're running out of wine. So we called the, the office in Miami and they, they had a stop at Gibraltar. And like, I remember I could hardly see the rock. We were right below the rock. But it was about 12 o'clock at night. And uh, loaded up another, you know, 200 cases of wine on the ship just for the, <laughs> just for the Italian officers. So because they, wow. they'd stop working if they, it was in their contract, and if they didn't get wine, they they'd stop working. So, <laughs> but anyway, we finally made it to Miami, and that was that was good. Now, while we're on the wine, like, let me ask this: um, what is what is the highest level of wine, or do they have high level wines and stuff on the cruise ships? Yeah, that's a good question. Now, I I used to. You know, now they have some, I mean, they have Dom Perignon, they have, you know, Chateau Lafitte, they have some really expensive wines. Um, but I often told people, and it's different now, the ships are more stable, but but I used to tell people, don't buy expensive wine on the ship because with all the rocking and rolling, you know, the, the wine, the wine and... yeah, vibrations, everything, the wine uh, just doesn't doesn't hold up very well. So I said, don't don't waste your money and buy the most expensive uh wines but uh yeah that was that was but now i mean you can get sky's the limit especially on some of these silver seas or some of these other very expensive cruise ships you know you got uh, tons and tons of really good quality wines i had never really thought of that that's a really good point with the wine i i'd never even crossed my mind that that would impact the the flavors of of the wines yeah, because you're stirring up the sediment all the time, and especially the older wines, because they will have sediment in them. And then the corks, it'd be getting corkage, you know, the wines would be. So it would uh, it would affect them in a big way, yeah. With all now, the, now the, uh, the, the, the top of the line wine, uh, winos, uh, did they ever 
have like a super high end bottle of wine and, and uh, send it back? Yeah, I've seen a few of them send them back, but I've never seen, uh, and for good reason. I mean, you know, we were able to to tell. I, I got a, a lot of uh, worked in France before I even joined the cruise ships. Got a lot of training on wines, but I never saw anybody really take advantage of it. You know, I mean, the, the people who drank those wines knew their wines. I mean, they 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 weren't just you know you or me going on there and saying, oh, let's buy a nice bottle of wine. I mean, they. They, they were used to that kind of uh, wine. They'd so there was no like, you know, uh, Chef uh, Lafitte, you know, they weren't mixing it with like 7-Up for the, uh, like a wine career. <laughs> no, 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 no. But you do, you know. We the, did that the, with the some wait, Louis the Thirteenth. The waiters used to frown on people, uh, you know, ordering a filet mignon and pouring ketchup all over it. And, uh-huh. You know, I, I used to think, well, you know, it's like even in the restaurants now, I said, you know, if they're paying for it, let them put whatever they want on it. They're paying for it. But, uh, you know, as a waiter, you kind of scringe and frown at that, that kind of thing. You know? Hey, I think it's uh, it's time for us to get into a ship story. Are you warmed up? All right. My name is Harry Greenley, and this is my ship story. I told you a little bit about it already when I was on the American Adventure. and We took it back to, to Florida. We sailed on a seven-day cruise, and one of the stops was we anchored off Dominican Republic. They had an island there we leased for a year, private island. We take people over to the beach. And I had a dining room manager with me. I was dining room manager at the time. And I had a dining room manager with me who was going to take over from me. Uh, and I was to go on vacation. You know, the, the ship was run differently with the kids and everything. So I, I had to show them, show them the ropes. We were docked or anchored off the island. And I got a phone call from the bridge. I had to go up. And the office wanted me right away to get off the ship and fly to Alaska to join a ship. They had fired the dining room manager up there. So I went downstairs and they said, I have to, you know, I've got a half an hour to get ready and get off the ship and meet the pilot. And they take me on the tender boat across the mainland. So I went down to my cabin. I told the guys, I went down to my cabin. I threw everything into my bags. I realized I had $8,000 in cash in a drawer. Because, you know, we're, especially in the dining room, we're all tip, tips, we're all paid cash. I shoved it into a, you know, I think you call it a gym bag, just a small little carry on, a carry bag. And I threw a lot of underwear and clothes, dirty clothes, everything into this bag to hide it. Like a stripper. And no, okay. no, <laughs> no lock on, no lock on it, nothing. So anyway, I get, uh, get on the tender with the, with the pilot and takes, and the, the, actually the, um, Cruise director was getting off the same time. He had to go to Miami. He had this terrible toothache. And as you know, they never had dentists on the ship. So he was getting off to fly back to Miami to go to a dentist. And uh, so he was with me and we uh, were chatting away. We got on to, we got over to Dominican Republic and a small airport there. We flew from there in a small, like six seater plane to Puerto Rico. And from Puerto Rico, we would get a plane to Miami. Well, I was sitting on the plane in Puerto Rico we were getting ready to go and I, the doors were closing and I realized, oh my God, I left, I left this little bag on the turn, turnstile. Oh and I, Lord, I said, so I turned white, not to panic. I called one of the girls down and, and I said, I left the bag on the, on the turnstile. She said, oh, don't worry. She said, if it has a tag on it, it'll get to Miami. She said, don't worry about it. So I sat there worried about it, of course, the whole time. And I was talking to the cruise director about it and, Got to Miami anyway and went to the lost and found, explained to them. Of course, I waited, no sign of the bag. So I didn't get on my flight. So then I talked to the lost and found. I explained them. They said, okay, what color is it? It's blue. What's in it? And I said, oh, just some dirty clothes. I said, I wasn't going to tell them there's $8,000 in it because I knew it would be gone. Right. <laughs> so 
Um, so anyway, I got back. To, they said, don't worry. There's five more flights coming in from Puerto Rico. It should be on one of those flights. So uh, we'll get your air, get your hotel information and we'll send it out to the hotel. So I get to the hotel, Maria sitting there. I can't go out because I'm waiting for this bag. I don't want to leave the hotel. So I can't go out. I'm sitting there in my room, waiting, waiting, looking, looking at the clock and everything about 10 to midnight. I call down the front desk and they said, no, no sign of the bag. I told them that it was coming. So I managed to get some sleep that night. And I was up in the next morning in the restaurant. And I'm thinking, you know, I've lost it. The money's gone. It's, there's no way. I mean, you know, nowadays, my goodness, they'd probably take out the bag and blow it up and there'd be money <laughs> scattered all over the place, all over the, all over the runway or something. So anyway, I get, I get to breakfast. I hear my name being called. So I go out to the front desk and here's the guy from the airport with my bag in his hand. And he said, Mr. Greenley, is this yours? Can you identify it? Yeah, this is me. And I showed him my ID and all. So I took it up to the room fast. Emptied You're like, everything that's, out on that's the my bag. <laughs> so I emptied everything out on the bed and there was the money. I said, Lord, oh my goodness. So I, I took the money. I went straight over to the bank on Biscayne Boulevard. I went in the bank and deposited the, the it was exactly $8,000. There wasn't a penny missing out of it. And I deposited the money and then I uh, got my connecting flights to Alaska after that. So that was a, that, that was something. Crazy. But man, I, oh, it was crazy. You know, I thought, you know, I mean, you know, we, we made good money on the ship, but God, to, to, to lose that kind of money and, and to start, you know, it was just a sickening feeling that I had. And uh, I was lucky. I don't know. The gods were looking down on me that day. That's for sure. I, I thought, don't think I, that I would thought maybe that, that scared the Irish out of you. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> That's just but, uh, amazing that you wow. were able to get $8,000 back. I mean, yeah. and that it, yeah. I, it's just unbelievable. Nobody opened the bag because if anybody opened, opened that the bag, bag and checked, I mean, there was no lock on it. Obviously, it's just a zipper, and they, so anybody could have opened it to look inside. And, and like you said, it, it would have been gone. I mean, they, uh, they, or they would have thought that some some guy uh, carrying money back after dropping off a bunch of drugs or something. They probably thought. <laughs> I'm, sure I, did, I'm sure I did. I'm sure I did. Glad I did work at the uh, the airport that day. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I once left 750 British pounds in a rental car um, glove compartment oh. and I did not get that back. As soon as I noticed, oh. I called and I was like, there's this money in there. And they're like, nope, yeah. nope, it's oh. not there. Oh. Never saw it. I don't know what you're talking in... about. <laughs> I, I lost my oh, paycheck yeah. one time. I, I was down, I was down uh, in one of the crew bars paying out the the wait staff and the bar staff and that kind of stuff and uh well paying a lot of people and i had my paycheck and i just stuck it under my uh, uh under my leg while i was sitting there and of course when i got done got up picked up all my stuff and left it laying there went back found the paycheck no money in it Oh, oh, Lord. God. That's, that's almost sick. worse yeah. yeah you know we, yeah. we had a, we, Ouch, had a we, we had a crew parser uh years ago on the sun viking when i was on the sun viking for a while they they took they opened they, they were being i don't know if they were being fired or something or they were just leaving but anyway they opened all the crew safe the, the crew had separate uh little lock boxes that they could keep their money in or anything he opened all of those and took everything out of it and I, they said it was something like over a hundred thousand dollars and it was all kinds of different things and took it all and disappeared. I don't know if they ever got them, but Royal Caribbean was very good because, uh, I mean, they were a great company to work for, but they, 
they reimbursed uh, because the, the crew person or the purser's office had a detailed um, account of everything that was there and they uh, reimbursed everybody their money that was stolen. So that was pretty cool. Wow. That, uh, yeah. that is, that is surprising. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, surprising back, too. <laughs> back, huh? back in the eighties, they were making lots of money back then. They had, they didn't have the competition they had and, you know, cruises were more expensive then than they are now. <laughs> Yeah, they were. Interestingly enough, yeah. I mean, when I first started in '91, they, you know, they they weren't they weren't cheap to go on a seven day cruise. Yeah. They, they were all. I mean, base price was probably an inside crappy cabin was at least a thousand dollars a person. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now, because of the, the the amount of beds and ships and stuff, it's a lot cheaper than that. The yeah, worst was thing crazy. was putting putting those bottles of Avion in the cabins. And then charging people for them when they opened them up and drank them, and people didn't realize, hey, you charge for that. You know, that was so, yeah. that was so cheap. There's a wet bar I, in every room. I hated yeah. that. There was somebody complaining yeah. about that. There were several people that complained about it every single cruise. You know, I remember us sneaking out of the girls' cabins and um, there we go. Here we know, go. Friend, friend, a friend <laughs> of mine. Down, uh, slow down. We used to think that, well, I don't know if it's true, but we used to think that some of the night watchmen were uh, offered a bonus or a hundred dollars or something. If they catch, uh, catch a waiter, especially a waiter in a passenger cabin, uh, because they used to be really on top of it. I remember one guy, a friend of mine went to the girl's cabin and, uh, of course, she, you know, you get the girl to look out the corridor each way and she looks left, she looks right. And she sees this guy with a walkie talkie and a white shirt down the end of the corridor. And he's obviously sitting there, you know, watching or taking a break. About a half an hour later, she looks out again. The same guy is there down the end of the corridor. So I was thinking, what the hell am I going to do? You know, and the guy said, you know, I got to I got to get some sleep. I got to be up at six in the morning. She she came up with the idea. She threw the, the blanket over his head. And she said, now, when you run out the door, don't turn left, turn right. She said, and run, run as fast as you can. And she threw the blanket over his head and opened the door and he ran. So he was gone down the stairs long before the, <laughs> the officer got near him to find out who it was. <laughs> so he didn't. That was one he didn't catch. <laughs> Man, I was uh, so, I was the subject of a plant that we were on uh, on the front deck and you know a super dark spot and stuff and one of the outside it goes inside doors that were you know both yeah. shut and she was a plant because we were there we may have been making out there was a a noise from the other side of the door like they were coming out and I was like whoa and I didn't know who it was but I was like we gotta move and she grabbed me this look in her eye was like I got you and I remember looking she's grabbing me this is a setup I was like push I pushed her and I put ass around the track inside the door down the stairs through 995 came up all the way in the back of the end of the ship on uh, through the disco and I was sweating bullets I think I covered that whole ship in about a minute but <laughs> <laughs> that was that was uh that was pretty crazy manuel we you know the, the head waiters on the sun biking was we shared a cabin the two of us and he was a good friend of mine he ended up being my best man at the wedding but he was like very good looking guy he could pick up women just as easy as anything and i'm sitting in my cabin finished the midnight buffet and i'm sitting in my underwear and shirt off and everything I'm, i had the tv on we had the we had the the old um not not even dvds the old cassettes we were watching yeah, a movie VHS. Just, <laughs> vhs yeah i mean we didn't have anything but anyway i'm watching this movie and having a glass of wine or beer or something and the next minute the door flies open and this girl beautiful girl comes into like she literally gets thrown into my cabin and i'm thinking <laughs> lord i said you know i'm thinking she must be waiting for manuel you know 
So uh, I, I said, sit down. I said, sorry. And I put on a shirt and a pair of pants. And, and I started chit-chatting to her, just passing the time, because I'm thinking he's going to be back anytime soon, you know. <laughs> and then uh, and then he comes back about an hour later, and he looks in the room, and he says, in, in his Portuguese, Portuguese accent, what are you doing? What are you doing? Get on. Get on with it. What are you doing? So it was at that point that I realized that he had sent her in for me because what happened was there was there were twins and, he, uh. you know, you couldn't get anywhere with two <laughs> girls. So he had to get rid of one of them. So he shoves them into the cow. He said, Harry, I'll take care. So anyway, we ended up with, those twi- twi- we ended up with the twins all week. When I got the gist of it, when I when I copped on what was going on. Uh, we got together and uh, we spent the whole week with the two twins. So, and we often wondered to this day, did they ever, I mean, they were identical and we all, oh, did they switch to day, from guy to guy switch around? And I, yeah, <laughs> he, he's convinced they must have, they would, I'm sure he said, I'm sure they did. He we'll said, go with that. But uh, that was funny. That was funny. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. Now I wanted to ask you, and you don't have to, you don't have to tell us if you don't want to, but yeah. as, as a waiter, Kind of what was your move with with the ladies? Were you always like every cruise? Were you kind of, you know, cruising? You see, we, yeah, you see, we were lucky because, you know, when they come on board they're we're almost the first piece of person they meet. I mean, and you're, I with, Irish, them, and you're with them all the time and you're with them all the time. You get to know them. And so this was this is used to piss off the Norwegian and uh, sailors because they uh-huh. try and meet them up at the disco. And then they'd end up with a waiter, you know, and that's why they used to be jealous as hell, you know, if they, they would do that. But uh, yeah, it was very easy because, you know, they, they, the girl, American girls come into the dining room and they hear all these Italian, Spanish, all these accents, all these good looking guys. And I can tell you that I was able to get more women when I wore an officer's uniform than when I was a waiter. And I was the same person. And, you know, if I, if I was walking down the street, they probably wouldn't even look at me. But because you have an officer's uniform with bars on your shoulder and a white shirt, you know, they're, they're attracted to the uniform, I guess. But, uh, yeah, the dining room was, was, the, uh, was the place. It was really easy. And, and like I said, that used to upset a lot of the, the Norwegian officers on the, on the ship. Did it just happen naturally or did you have a yeah, well, no, setup? Well, you know, you, you'd ask them... Uh, You'd ask them like if they would like to meet. You know, you'd get an idea that they were interested, and you'd say, "Well, let's let's meet up for a drink." Now, of course, as a waiter, you can't go to the disco, you can't go anywhere, so you can't even take them to the crew bar. So, and you might remember back in the '80s, you know, the only girls working on the ship were the purser's desk, purser's office, and gift shop and hairdressers. I mean, everybody else was was a male. It was very male-dominated world back then. So, uh, your only real choice was passengers, and. Uh, and uh, it was really easy to say, can I meet me for a drink? And you, they'd either come. Better to try and get them to go to your cabin rather than you go to them. Because if you're caught in the passenger cabin, you're fired on the spot. So it's better you bring them to their cabin. And you, and you don't know if you get to their cabin, if they change their mind and they, they get a bit funny. So, um, and I, an interesting thing, I left the ship to get married in 88. And it didn't work out. My wife and I got a divorce and I went back in 91. Now this was the time AIDS was was really hitting the the the, the, the world, and it, you know they said doesn't matter you don't need to be gay you can get AIDS for anybody can get AIDS, and I thought well you know if I go back it's going to be different you know it wasn't any different it was the same I mean <laughs> the, these girls would send on their friends and say oh go and ask for Harry go and ask for Tony go and ask for you know they tell you the names of the people who to ask for when you get to the ship you know? <laughs> it was it was wild if you look at their perspective. You know, they come on a cruise, they're away from home. If they're from a little small town, 
Nobody knows what's good. It's like the, the Vegas thing. What happens on the ship stays on the ship. Nobody knows. <laughs> and they go home back to their normal life, you know. Uh, of the waiter staff, what, what nationality yeah. would you say had the most successful Luck. slash hard playbook? Because some I'd of these, you know, we've heard like Italians are like, I want you. I want you to go down to, to the yeah. next zero, 1460. I'd say the Italians because, you know, the with the accent. And they seem to have more, well, they had more charisma, but they had more confidence, I would say. You know, they, they, weren't, they weren't afraid of being rejected. I remember there was an Italian waiter. Uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't your typical good-looking Italian waiter. He was kind of uh, grumpy-looking, and he didn't look, look uh, Italian. But anyway, I say, I say, well, his name was Reno. It doesn't matter. I'd say, Reno, how do, you, how do you get so lucky? And he said, I stand at the door, and when they leave the restaurant, I ask every single girl that leaves, do they want to meet me for a drink? <laughs> if you ask enough of them, you're going to get lucky, he said. He's playing the percentages. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's so funny. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, and hey, he was, hey, he's correct. What do you what do you call it? <laughs> what do you call an Italian uh, suppository? Uh, I don't know. Uh, that okay, one. tell us. In your window. <laughs> <laughs> that was oh from jeffrey that's not we're mine cutting. that's that's jeffrey Arfin. anyway harry you, do you have another story for us we were uh leaving miami it was on the song and some viking we were leaving miami and we did a 14-day cruise on this on the some viking uh the other two did a seven-day cruise we had a shipment of lobster that was delayed frozen lobster the office called and said look we'll ship it down we'll not ship it we'll fly it down to jamaica and you'll be able to pick it up in the container there'll be a freezer container on the pier you'll be able to pick it up in jamaica and serve it that night for lobster night they said okay that's fine it'll work so we get to jamaica a couple of days later and the chef and i go out and we see the container and we ask the, the uh, port authority there he said, oh, yeah, he said he, they opened it and the container was empty. What happened was the uh, ship's agent came running over to us and he said, oh, he said, the, your sister ship, the Nordic Prince, was here the day before and they took everything. And I thought, oh, Lord. So here we are. We're with no lobster. So we go back to the ship and the chef and I go downstairs and and uh, so we start looking through fridges and everything. And he said, he comes up, we go up to the food and beverage manager and he said, what are you guys going to do? And he said, well, we have enough lobster tails to serve the first sitting, but the second sitting we don't, but I have bags of frozen lobster meat so we can do like lobster termidor or something like that. So anyway, that was the plan. So what we did was we told the waiters, this was, this was the start of the first thing that we told the waiters not to push the lobster on the menu. And whoever sold the least lobster would get a case of beer. And uh, so, so of course, that that carried on all the time so you know the, the irish and the english waiters kept winning the beer but that's another story that, that that i can tell you but anyway so what we did was we served the lobster the first sitting we collected all the shells we ran them through the dishwashing machine we no. washed them all we sanitized no them way. We, no. we, we yeah we put them into the ovens to dry them out and then the chefs came and they filled up the lobster meat and in, back into the shells and that's what we served for the second sitting what? passengers. Oh, and, wow. and, we, and we and we got away and we got away with it. And the wow. office was impressed. The office was impressed. They couldn't believe they didn't get one complaint. So I that <laughs> is <laughs> oh my god. That is crazy. That is tricky. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. my god. Oh my god. Okay, how, I do, say how one do you thing. tell your staff to wash the lobster tails? We told the waiters to uh you know, collect all the lobster and put them into this container. And the head waiters would go around and collect them. 
and put them through the machine and uh, wait at the other end, collect them and then dry them all out. You know, they'd be wash, rinse and sanitize. I mean, they were perfect. <laughs> as long as and they nobody, weren't cracked. Nobody was in the as long as they weren't cracked. Yeah, we lost a few of them, but I mean, yeah. we had enough to, 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 to carry on, you know. No, I mean, and I was quickly, I was going to say, I heard the Irish there and that story. <laughs> oh, you did, yeah. Yes, a yeah. Termidor. Well, yeah. I, I was going to say, you know, this just goes back to what we've said, mentioned several times on the podcast that when you're on the ship, you've got to solve problems. And very quickly, it's for yeah. the moment, you got to come up with right, the solution. Right, right. Yeah. There's things that come up and you get you got to come up with the solution and, and, and get it yeah. fixed. Yeah. yeah. I remember like on the, on the Dolphin, uh, I was a... Uh, shoreside manager and the uh, chief engineer called me one day and I went over and he said, come down to the engine room. I want to show you something. So we go down the engine room, down the stairs, and it's getting noisier and noisier. And we're down at the bottom of the stairs and there's this uh, about, you know, six, eight inches of water in the engine room. And uh, he, he uh, you know, he can't, you can't talk down there. You can't discuss it. So he's pointing back upstairs. So we go back upstairs and he said, there's an intake pipe that brings in the salt water to cool the engines. And, uh, it goes flushes back out. You'll often see on the older ships where you'd see steam coming up from the side of the water because that's where the, the salt water would, would uh, circle the engines and, and uh, or the boil not the boilers, the engines, and then go back out to sea. Well, that pipe was burst and there's no valve on it to shut it off. And the water was coming into the ship and uh, the chief engineers kind of, the, the, the guys are trying to make, make this makeshift box around the, the hole in the pipe and then fill it with cement and, uh, anyway, you know, I'm kind of worried. I'm the operations manager. So I go back to the office. I don't say anything. I come back in the afternoon and it's still no better. And so I go up to the captain's room and I say, Captain, you know, if you want me to cancel the cruise, I will. Now the passengers are all on board. And at this time, nobody knows anything about it. They're about to sail at five o'clock and this is about 430. And he said, no, he said, I think, I think we'll make it. He said, I've ordered a new pipe to be delivered to Nassau. He said, and when we get to Nassau, we'll have the guys come on and, and fix it. He said, we might be a little late. And I said, are you sure? I said, and he said, yeah, yeah. He said, it'll be fine. The weather's going to be good. So he said, we'll go real slow. He said, we might be late. Well, I tell you, I, I, I stood on the pier and watched that ship sail. And I had a gut feeling. I said, is this, is this, is this ship going to make it or what's going to happen? I mean, I was, I never felt so sick. I must've grown a bunch of gray hairs that day because I followed the ship. I, I drove down A1A Cocoa Beach and followed the ship until it disappeared on the horizon. And I didn't sleep that night. I didn't even tell my wife. I was married at the time. I didn't even tell her. Uh, and I got up the next morning, went to the office early, called NASA, and they said, yeah, the ship is on its way. We heard from the captain. They're running about an hour late. So I called the captain and he said, yeah, we, we're, we, we got there. He said, we're okay. Luckily, the weather was good and the seas were calm. He said, and uh, anyway, when they got there, they got it fixed. And they got back to Cape Canaveral uh, two days later and it, with the new pipe installed. Now. But that was scary. I, I was never so scared as, as I was. that. And of course, you know, the passengers never knew anything that was going on. And again, they, like you said, they had to improvise, improvise because they knew canceling. It wasn't just canceling one cruise. You could be canceling four or five and all that revenue that, that the company needed, you know, at the same time, you're worried about the safety of the passengers and the crew, you know? So, but uh, yeah, that was a scary time. Do you have an almost miss a ship story? Miss I ship? do. I have a good one, actually. Yeah. And it's quick. I'll tell you, I was in, uh, I was on, like I said, I was on the song of Norway for about two years or three years. 
And then I switched me over to the sun biking. When the sun biking, we were in Jamaica, in Ocho Rios. And I used to love to go out and go on the jet skis. Now, these are the old jet skis that you stand up. They weren't the sit-down ones. They were the, you had to learn to balance and stand up. So I was jet skiing in the bay. And all of a sudden, I hear the ship's horn blow. And I said, Lord, and I looked at my watch. And what I didn't realize was uh, on the Song of Norway, we left at 5.30. On the Sun Viking, they left at 4.30. So I was an hour, I was an hour behind. And I looked at my watch, I said, Lord. So I said to the, to the guy, I said, look, I've got to get to the ship. I said, I, I can't walk all the way around. I can't get a taxi. I said, do you mind if I take the jet ski over? And he said, yeah, no problem. He said, we'll pick it up, just tie it up. So I rode at this jet ski like James Bond, right over to the pier. And the passengers are all looking over the side of the ship and they're all cheering and loud, clapping. Did, did you I just take it right up the gangway? Did you just, take, no, I, just jump it I right over? Yeah, I should have gone up the ramp. Yeah. So, I just, so I climbed up a couple of steps, ladders, whatever, and I got onto the gangway and they literally pulled the gangway as I was getting on. And of course, uh, I, I was lucky because I was the captain's waiter. So uh, when I went up that next day to the bridge to beat the captain, about being late on the ship, uh, he said to me, don't worry about it, Harry, you're fine, you're okay. Because <laughs> I was his waiter, so I got away with that one. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, the passengers were all cheering and clapping at the top of the, at the, top of the pool deck. That's pretty close. And yeah. on the jet ski, that's, so that's new. I haven't heard somebody arriving by jet ski to make the ship. Hey, before well, we uh, get to your book, I need to ask you one thing. Let me go back to the uh, meeting the, the chicks on, on board. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one track mind. You guys, I got track you, mind you, you guys are really uh, uh, bonding over this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I got to ask because when we, when we do that, we got to ask, where's the, where's the, uh, the wildest or most uh, strangest place on the ship that you've done? Well, you know, I've done it on deck, out in the stars at night, that kind of thing. But everybody's done that. I would say the laundry room. I would say down the laundry room. And I was watching, looking at my watch the whole time because I knew at three o'clock in the morning that all the Chinese laundry guys would be waking up and going to work. So it was like, it was kind of like, we got, we really got to finish up. Because you know? <laughs> you're, you're on, you're on top of, you're on top of all these blankets and pillows and sheets and everything like that. It was very comfortable. The laundry room's very warm. So it's a nice place, you know, but uh, I didn't want to get the, the laundry, the little Chinese guys coming in, you know, they're half eyes, half clothes, waking up at three o'clock in the morning. How did you even get into the, the laundry Was this room? with a passenger? Yeah. Oh yeah. With a passenger. Yeah. Wow. Um, it was, I don't know that back then it was always open, you know, I don't know the, there wasn't, uh, you know, there's smaller ships. It just wasn't the, the, the security. We, I mean, you can get on and we used to meet, uh, we were on the song and Norway. We used to meet the sun Viking and the Nordic Prince sometimes in San Juan. And as waiters, we'd go across and chat to the other guys, help them set up their stations, go back to our ship, back and forwards on the gangway. There was never any security there or anything. You know, it was real oh, easy wow. back then, those days. Yeah, yeah, it was it was real easy. I mean, and it, because the company was so small and they only had three ships, nearly everybody knew everybody, you know. So they, they'd know if you were coming on board, you know, they'd, they'd know who you were kind of thing, you know, which is kind of nice back then. Wow, but, that's uh, wild. The laundry room, that's yeah. we haven't got that one before. That's a good one. <laughs> no, there's, there's, uh, I know, I, I, I didn't do it, but I know people that did it in the elevator. You know, they, they get in the elevator and turn the thing off, lock the elevator so it wouldn't be used. And, but, you know, if you do it in the front of the ship at the bow, you oh, know, no. where the crew could go, the passengers couldn't go. Oh yeah, the north, the north, the officers on the bridge uh, can see you could clearly. See you, right. Oh, yeah. they see everything. They, they tell you some stories, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> they can see everything that goes on on the bridge because you look up at the bridge and it's completely dark. But you yeah. know, it has to be. 
but they'll see everything uh, out of it. I wonder if they're like, videos. hello, hey, uh, Harris out there again. So, since you worked on Premiere, I just was curious, yeah. you know, again, uh, one degree of separation. Did you ever work or know Mary Giuliani or Rhoda Coffin? Mary Giuliani that you had on. Yes, yes, yeah. I worked with her. Yeah, yeah, I knew oh, her. Um, yeah, because in fact, uh, it was interesting because I, you know, she's good friends on Facebook. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, called her after the show. I said he did a great job. It was cool. Hey, yeah. Wasn't Mary very friendly with the wait wait staff? Yeah. Didn't yeah. She, she used to. Didn't that she was know the jam. dining dining department very yes. well? Yeah. Yeah. You know. You know they used to get fed. They used did to you guys ever hook up? I mean, I gotta ask. <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't. But she used to hang out with us, and she, you know, the old green shutters in Nassau. Yeah. Um, yeah, we we used to go there quite often, and of course now it's I think an Indian restaurant had burned down, and now it's an Indian restaurant. But uh, yeah, the Green Shutters was a great uh, hangout for all of us. Uh, we get off the ship, and uh, that was that was always good fun. But no, a lot. It's funny you say that because a lot of the girls would uh, hook up with the waiters or uh, wine stewards because they get fed. They they you know they put a steak on a plate and send it to them or bottle of wine or something so they they ate well (laughs) yeah maybe some repurposed lobster yeah (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) i'll tell you a quick story the first person that made me welcome when i arrived in the united states was a cuban girl and i was staying in the hotel uh i had lost my passport and i uh, couldn't get on the ship right away i had to get a new passport but anyway i had about three dollars a day to live on so i used to go up to mcdonald's in the afternoon and get a happy meal that was my food for the day so i think she must have found out that i wasn't eating or something because i she called me in the room one day she said come down to the dining room i got some breakfast for you so i went down and she was really nice. She had moved from Cuba. She was about three or four when she moved from Cuba with her mom, you know, during the crisis and everything. And, and uh, she was working a beautiful girl. She gave me this big breakfast. And I thought, you know what? If I spend all my money, I don't care. I'm going to enjoy this meal. And she wouldn't let me pay for it. She called me the next morning. I didn't want to take advantage. I told her I had to go fly over to the Bahamas and get my visa. So anyway, um, my first week on the ship, I went to Miami and went shopping and bought her a gift and brought it to the hotel and gave it to her and just thanked her and wished her luck and nothing ever came of it that was the only thing but she was really really nice you know really nice girl that was really sweet of you anyway as well yeah she was she was nice tell us about the book so you've written a book what's it what's it called yeah it's called the title of the book old salty dog (laughs) no no it's kind of well it's just corny it's called cruising confessions and uh, i I started i started putting it you know people years ago when i i'd gotten off the ship 10 years ago and uh, people were saying to me, uh, you know, you ought to write a book with all the stories. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I started writing down these little stories in a book and then putting them into chapters and developing it. And then, then when I got really got serious was during lockdown. And I said, you know, let's let's uh, work on this during lockdown. And I made a lot of mistakes, but I finally got an editor who was really good. And she did a lot of work on the book for me and put it together and then I got somebody to format it and then got it onto Amazon. But uh, anyway, finally got it. And it was, uh, and I'm glad I did because it was something I really wanted to finish and everybody was asking me about it. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of fun doing it, putting it together. And uh, tell us where, uh, where people can buy it. Yeah. You can buy it on Amazon. Uh, You can buy it. uh, There's two versions. 
because I, I put in colored photographs into it. So there's a, a color version, but the black and white version is just as good and it's a lot cheaper. And then there's, of course, you can get the uh, e-reader or whatever, and you can get the the, uh, the other version as well. So they're all available and they're they're under Cruising Confessions. And uh, it's got, there's, there it is. It's got my name on it too. Awesome. I, cho- yeah. I chose the cover. I designed the cover myself, so it's pretty cool. Well, congratulations! Yeah, yeah. and uh, thanks for thanks for coming on the podcast. We we really appreciate it. Thanks for listening, and uh, thanks for being a part of this. Thanks for coming on and telling some stories for us. We appreciate it. Yeah, that was great. Well, I really I really enjoyed it, and uh, I just want to say thank you to you guys for doing this because uh, you know I think it's great, and it's just it's so much fun on a Monday just to listening to the stories and. Like you said, you know, you'll come across somebody that you know uh, eventually, and and that's a lot of fun. I, I think you guys do a great job. Awesome. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank, thank you so much, guys. and thanks for coming appreciate on. It. I really appreciate it. Take Bye. care. Bye. I have a feeling. Wow, that that's awesome. We, need, we can do another chapter with him because I have a feeling that he has a lot more stories to tell. Because <laughs> uh, we we could have kept talking and talking and talking. Hey everyone, the ship is about to set sail, which brings us to an end for today. We hope that you enjoy the podcast. For bonus audio and if you would like to see this podcast in video, please visit our YouTube channel, My Ship Story. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram as My Ship Story. Don't forget to let us know if you're a past or present crew member and if you have a story that you would like to tell or if you like, you can email us your story for us to read on the air. Email us at myshipstorypodcast at yahoo.com. That's myshipstorypodcast at yahoo.com. Goodbye for now, and be sure to tune in next week, same time, as we'll have a new podcast every Monday. Bon voyage!